eerste ervaring. En nu, ladies en gentlemen, uw attention, please. Big decisions have even bigger consequences in the world of marketing leadership, where data informs everything, second chances are rare, and ROI is no longer the only metric that matters. Please join us as we go inside the funnel. And we're back. Hello, listener. We have come back from our summer hiatus. And it has been a relaxing and sometimes productive summer. Uh, Jenna, what have you been doing? Well, I'll tell you what I didn't do. Uh, I am not tan or sunburnt, which is my tan. I did not go into very many bodies of water. I can't actually think of one to tell you the truth. And I feel deep, deep regret over this. Uh, I don't know where I was or what I was doing, but clearly I was not summering appropriately. Well, it's a shame that this is an audio uh, recording because I am sporting a deep, rich walnut tan um, <laughs> because I did spend quite a bit of time in the water and in the sun. Um, Good for you, pal. Thanks for asking. How about you, Dan? Oh, okay. I think there's probably three people out there who aren't familiar with your uh, summer escapades. Is that right? <laughs> See, I'll tell you, you're no less of a jerk after a summer off. That's for sure. <laughs> You got to recharge all the faculties. Yeah, we got to get everything firing on all cylinders. Yeah, no, I took uh, my wife and I traveled again, which was super weird. Um, we went to Mexico for six days through the barrage of uh, COVID restrictions and tests and so on, and had a wonderful time. We survived Hurricane Grace, uh, which was an experience uh, to be dead center of a uh, category one, nevertheless, but it was certainly something to uh, experience. And then I had my own experiences getting home because through the the time warp that was COVID, I didn't realize that my permanent resident card had expired. So trying to board a plane back to Canada without a valid PR card is not something I recommend anybody tries ever because it doesn't work. So a three-hour direct flight turned into a 36-hour um, trek through Atlanta, Detroit, across the land border with all sorts of obstacles in the way that I won't bore everybody with, but... Uh, Keep your documents in order, guys. Planes, trains, and sad mobiles. No, it was literally <laughs> planes, trains, and automobiles. There was a train involved. There were many cars. There was an Uber. Try crossing a land border in an Uber and let me know how that goes for you. But uh, it was quite an experience. Were there any pillows involved, Dan? Pillows? Yes, on trains, planes, and automobiles. Oh, right, yes. No, actually, not a lot of sleeping. A lot of book reading, though. <laughs> I did read a lot of my books, so that was the only saving grace, I think. So I, I think that actually brings us uh, quite nicely to our subject that we're going to talk about today, because there is no circumstance on this planet that would move a person of my background to take the risk of flying without proper documentation. Um, so it brings us to the subject of diversity. Mm -hmm. And we have a tremendous guest today to talk with us about that subject. Um, so Carell Cooper is an award-winning executive with 20 years of digital media experience building ad operations, account management, and marketing teams. He's currently the CMO at Live Intent, one of Business Insider's hottest ad tech companies two years in a row. And in his current role, Carell is responsible for the overall marketing strategy, which includes advertising, branding, product marketing, and PR, and has helped the company grow revenues by more than 25% from 2019 to 2020. 
He's also emerged as one of Live Intent's leading voices in the industry, from areas as varied as the importance of logged-on inventory for publishers, the role of email in building a first-party audience strategy, and the importance of diversity. So on the subject of diversity, Carell was included in Crane's New Business, or excuse me, in Crane's New York Business Notable Black Leaders and Executives 2021 list. He is the recipient of multiple awards, including the 2021 Adweek Reader's Choice Best of Tech Diversity Advocate of the Year Award and the 2021 Diversity Advocate of the Year Award by Campaign Tech Awards. Carell is also the co-founder and co-host of the excellently named Minority Report podcast, which highlights people of color, women, and LGBTQ plus leaders within business, media, technology, and serves as a board member at Marketing Edge, which helps educate, develop, and grow marketing students. Carell, welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you for thank you for having me, and uh, thank you for the introduction. It, it, it's a uh, it's always weird to me to hear someone else uh, introduce me and, and read my bio, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a fair point. It's not a it's not a place to be modest, right? I mean, this is this is who you are, and this is why you're here. Um, but but this is a big subject that we want to talk about, and it's certainly one that has been simmering, shall we say, for a while and exploded um, recently. But but I think a good place to start, because it is such a big and broad subject, let, let's start by defining what we mean by diversity. Is it is it race? Is it gender? Is it sexual orientation or class? Or, or is it all of those things? So talk to us about how you define it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's uh, it, it's a really great question because it's it's always easy to say, oh, you know, let's let's uh, let's talk about our diversity initiative or say the word diversity, but it's a lot harder to explain what you you really mean by that. But I think like you know you you covered um, really a lot of it, and and so I do think it's all of the above, right? It is race, it is gender, it is sexual orientation, it is class, and it is more. And so when I think about diversity, I, I think about um, variety, if you will. And, and I think from a, a business perspective, it's really the function of including people from a variety of different backgrounds and experiences. That, that's how I sort of think about diversity. And, and why does that matter? Well, I think it, I think it matters because um, you, you know, it, it's been it's been proven. There are a lot of studies out there that that talk about how diverse workforces not only make for a better culture within an organization, but also make for higher performing organizations as well too right and and make for organizations that let's say make uh less mistakes uh when it comes to to, to marketing uh and other things as well too because you're bringing in uh, a diverse uh set of opinions that are shaped from different lived experiences different um uh, uh people with different backgrounds people with different perspectives right and i think the more you bring that to the table the better off you are as an organization. And I really think that like that, that is really why it's important. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It is important and it absolutely always has been. So what is it about this moment that organizations are finally talking about it? 
Like, what is it about this point in time? Yeah, so I I think there's a few things there, right? If you think over the last, um, you know, 16 to 17 months, let's call it, right? You've had the unfortunate situations like George Floyd, right? You've had the unfortunate situations of uh, Ahmaud Arbery and, and countless other situations that have been captured on video where you see individuals murdered and 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 brutalized and 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 abused right and i think that um it is those videos that really are opening up um people's minds and and people's hearts more now than ever before i think you combine that with the fact that again over the last 16 to 17 months our professional life and our personal life are, have collided, right? And and I think as 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 organizations, right, there's no way to separate anymore your employees' personal life from their professional life. And so and so, I think that that altogether forces companies to have to have these conversations. You add to the fact that I think. Now, more than ever, people really show up as their true selves to work. People are not maybe as afraid or afraid or reluctant to voice their true opinions. And, you know, for a lot of organizations, these issues have really become the elephant in the room that you just can't avoid anymore. Right. And so I think it's all those things sort of working together, which I think really sort of is is making this a moment of, of change for a lot of organizations. I wanted to build on that a little bit um, because I think it's there's an important perspective here because I never even thought about this idea of the collision of people's personal and business lives um, as as uh, as a catalyst for this conversation. Um, but but there's there's one thing I want to highlight here because you did mention a couple of the incidents um, around police brutality that blew this uh, into the open. And those are American experiences. I want to make it very, very clear that this is not a uniquely American conversation mm-hmm. and that this happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while we do have two Americans represented here, in fact, we've got interesting representation. We've got we got a couple of Americans. We've got a couple of people of color. We've got a woman. We've got a giant man baby. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not nice of you to speak about our guest that way. <laughs> it, it, if I could, if I could jump in there, right? Like this right here is an example as to why diversity is so important, right? Because I'm able to speak to these situations from my experience and what I know and what I've seen here in the U.S., right? You bring a completely different perspective to the table, right? And, and so I, I think that that is right there a great example as to why it's important for companies to have uh, a diverse staff, right? Because I'm not gonna, I, I'm not going to recognize the experiences that that you have. I want to hear them. I want to listen, just like you want to listen and learn from my experiences, right? But I, I can only answer these questions truthfully and authentically from my own experiences, right? That, that's that's absolutely right, and and you know, it, it is when we talk about diversity of experiences, my experience and Dan's experience, we is an immigrant experience. Mm -hmm. And I think this conversation around 
having conversations about diversity at work is an alien concept almost to a lot of people from immigrant backgrounds because there's a reason why you emigrate, right? There's a better other side that you're moving to, that there's greater opportunity and and you see the positive reasons for going there. And when you're there, what you're trying to do, you're not necessarily trying to draw attention to your otherness. So it is a... It's an uncomfortable conversation to a lot of people like myself from immigrant backgrounds to then highlight that spotlight and say, yes, I'm here for a reason, but it's still not good enough. Right. Mm. So mm. so it is it is a fascinating type of conversation to have. Um, and, and especially if if I if I could take just a moment when I was when I uh, first moved here to North America 20 odd years ago. This idea of having a conversation about diversity and and highlighting my otherness was not even a thing that I wanted to do because we were in a post 9-11 environment and my name was Nasser. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is not mm. a thing I'm going to talk about. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to be a chameleon. I'm going to fit in. I'm going to blend in. But of course, for people who grow up in an environment, that is that why should you have to do that? Yeah, it's it's interesting, Master, you talked about both of us being immigrants and the reasons we had, the reason you're in Canada, the reason I'm in Canada are fundamentally different. And coming from Australia to Canada, it might as well be moving states in a lot of ways within the same country. There's so many similarities. And I, mm. I'll tell you, uh, the points you made, Corral, about the last couple of years, especially, and some of the unfortunate events that have happened, both in North America and globally, that have drawn a much sharper focus on this issue, have they did the one thing they did for me is teach me how blind I was to this real issue, and how I wasn't as observant of the differences in people as I should have been for many many years. And that's one thing I'm thankful for. I think in the last couple of years, is we've gone through this within our organization like extensively um, in the pursuit of of really educating. Uh, and understanding the perspectives of everybody, because our our community, especially on my team, I'm highly multicultural, um, and I kind of I didn't I didn't take it for granted. I just assumed in Australia, very multicultural society, and in North America and in Canada, especially very homogenous multicultural society. But taking the time to stop and actually appreciate other people's perspectives appropriately, and um, uh, and 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 try to see how their experiences are quite different from yours and what motivates them and 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 what is going to drive them to to be fulfilled and be happy and perform at their best all of that has been hugely educational for me in this last couple of years and i really appreciate that opportunity to have to have gone through that it kind of makes me wonder from your perspective as organizations like ours have really doubled down on trying to make sure we're uh, you know, bringing this to the forefront, what mistakes do you think are being made uh, maybe in the haste to to level up? Yeah, you know, I, I've had a lot of conversations with with individuals and, and with companies over the last year and a half about that. And, and I think, honestly, there, there are two things that come to top of mind there, right? One is um, I still think there are a lot of companies that are either afraid to take uh, this step or um, just say that they, they're not sure what to do, right? 
Um, I, I think the uh, the other thing is is that um, there are companies that um, are afraid to make mistakes too, right? And 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 don't want to get called out for trying to be authentic, but then end up you know maybe stepping in it a, a little bit, right? And um, you know I I I think that the challenge there is that some companies will try to be so methodical in their approach to either their hiring practices or having conversations internally because they want to get it so perfectly that they just end up not doing anything uh, at all. And I, and I think that that is the, the, the worst thing you could do is to let your own sort of um, internal thinking prevent you from, from, from doing something. Right. And so Two pieces of advice that I, I typically like to give to individuals and to, to companies when I talk to them is one is if you're if you're really unsure of like what to do or where to start, hire someone to help you get through it. Bring in a third party. There are plenty of diversity consultants that um, have been out there doing this work for years, right, for years and have developed uh, a really good reputation for helping companies move forward. So, you know, put your money where your mouth is and bring someone in that can that can help you steer your organization in the right direction. Right. The other thing that I think is super important to do, and this is one of the things that we actually did at Live Intent, was ask your employees for feedback. You know, send out surveys, talk to your own employees and get their perspective on where they think the company is at now and what are some of the things that they'd like to see the company do to move forward, right? Because what what's a better way to sort of build culture and get people to rally behind than to do the things that your your employees and, and that want you to do, right? So those those are some of the pieces of advice that I, I typically like to give. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. I think, you know, it's it's interesting to me to wonder you know, given that you're in our field, you're in digital, work at Live Intent, you're very familiar with the kind of work we do and the teams we tend to have. So have you seen any good examples of brands or others in this digital industry or agencies even that are approaching this right, that are that are approaching diversity and inclusion and doing it well? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, I think... Um... You know, if I if I think back on on some of the companies that maybe I've taken um, some examples from and have talked to in the past, and and, and listen, no no company is perfect, right? Every company, um, uh, you could be doing something right one day and then maybe make a mistake the next day, right? So I don't want to, I don't, and no company is perfect. It's just like launching a product, right? No company always gets their product launch right, right? No one's always going to get diversity right as well, but. Um, you know, I, I've talked to buddies that I have at, at LinkedIn and they seem to have a pretty solid um, ERG program and, and pretty solid support for for um, their employees there. I've talked to people that I know at um, companies like Salesforce as well, too, and they seem to be doing some some pretty cool and, and, and interesting things as well, too. So those are those are uh, a couple of companies that I think come to the top of mind that you know, I, I would say maybe look at it. And, and again, no, no company is perfect. So I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, anyone's got it absolutely right. But that there are two companies that I, I've looked at and talked to in the past about at least, you know, they're going in the right direction, I think. What are some examples of going in the right direction? What does that look like? Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, 
it starts with onboarding uh, employees, I think, right? I think at the the very beginning of uh, uh, of employees' introduction or coming into the organization and being onboarded the right way and setting that sort of solid foundation, I think is super important. I think um, doing some sort of regularly scheduled training for uh, managers that are super is super important around. Um, things like unconscious bias around things like uh, professional growth and development uh, of employees. I, I think sometimes companies maybe get caught up too much in that uh, diversity is an HR issue or it's an HR problem. And and, and it's not. It, it is. It's partly right. Like, yes, HR has their their job to do from a recruitment standpoint, from a policy standpoint, from being an input and a key player in this. But it is really the job of every single employee. Right. And I think, um, you know, people go to jobs to work for specific people. Right. People stay at jobs because they like their manager. They like their teams. Right. So I think more emphasis being put on managerial training around some of these things, I think, is is super important. And then I think overall, just having a culture of supporting employees, like I talked about at the beginning. Right. I think. Um, there's just been this collision of your personal and professional life. And I think companies need to take a step back and really think about um, how they're supporting employees in this new world, right? In this world from working from home, in this world where there are these unfortunate events that um, uh, get great media attention and, and how we we handle that. Um, ERGs, I think, is a, is a key to that, right? Like, Having um, groups within an, an, an organization, if people don't know what ERGs are, that they're employee resource groups, right? So having these groups uh, within an organization where um, people from the same backgrounds or share the same experiences can get together and and feel a bond with others that they that that are in that group as well. And then I think from a a, a a company standpoint, right? Like if you have the resources to do things in your community where you're at, I think those are also super important as well. So I think all these things sort of uh, uh, shape what companies can be doing right and and doing things that. Um, are positive for their organization, but also help retain their employees as well too. It's it's in, it's interesting that the examples you gave are in the tech and media space, um, especially since, I mean, up until not too long ago, tech was a bit of a you know a dude bro environment, um, and, 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 and and tech still has a long way to go. Let, oh, like yeah. let's not sugarcoat <laughs> that as well, right? <laughs> for for sure. But you talk about doing something. Um, I mean, I remember there were this is a few years ago, we would be in these rooms and, you know, pitching digital, right? Pitching digital solutions. And I'd look around the room and it would all be men uh, talking about digital. Um, White men, it, usually. Yes, often. Um, except for you. But except for me, apparently. <laughs> um, but but it, it is it. And, and that that was a conscious decision we then took to say, no, 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 we've, we've got to do something about this. Um, but do you think that the marketing space, the ad space has a greater requirement around diversity? Because, you know, almost to, to pull that line from Marvel, we're supposed to represent we kind of work around and represent the world outside our windows. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that that should be a, a motivating factor for the advertising and marketing space, right? Because, um, you know, your teams should look like um, the, the, the audience in which you're marketing your product to and the people that are, are, are using your product, right? And uh, obviously, it's more than just white males that are using uh, individuals' products. So I, I, I do believe so, and, and there should be an emphasis there. And I, and I also think with that emphasis, I was actually having this conversation with my wife this morning, right? Like if, if the, the more diverse marketing teams are, and I'm just talking about larger, bigger brands now, right? Um, I truly believe the, the less mistakes you will see in some of these marketing campaigns that that happen, right? Because there's no way um, some of these campaigns that either offend like the African American community would happen if there were African Americans not only in the room but also felt empowered to speak up as well, too, right? You wouldn't see some of these ads out there that maybe offend women would be out there if there were women in the room and also felt empowered to speak up right and so yeah it, it is it is super important i mean bringing it back to, to to a tech perspective for a second right i think about my own team and you know we we are we are diverse at, at live intent from my marketing team perspective um, you know, 30% of our team is is from the BIPOC uh, community. Uh, we have 53% of our employees are women. The majority of our managers on my team are women. Uh, the, the two senior people, myself and our SVP of product marketing, are both people of color as well, too. But the one thing about my team, as I was thinking about this, preparing for this conversation, is everyone on my team is very curious and very curious in a way that they want to learn. Not only learn about uh, their own particular craft, but learn from each other. And I think that that is one of the reasons which makes um, my team work together so well is because we're curious about each other. We're curious to learn from each other. We're curious about each other's backgrounds as well, too. And it just creates just a, a, a much better working environment, which leads to a much more productive uh, environment as well, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about some examples of how the diversity drives performance. You know, you mentioned that earlier, but that, I mean, that's, you kind of got ahead of me there. That's a great example, um, how the curiosity drives, uh, you know, this sort of subconscious learning, um, your examples about just people being in the room, the right people in the right room at the right time can intervene yeah, yeah. and solve problems before they occur. And and, and and honestly, if I if I could add one more thing to that, right? One of the one of the pieces of feedback where you know I actually need to get better with my team is is they want to spend more time together, actually outside of work, right? Mm. They want to spend more time together as a unit, getting to know each other better and doing fun activities together because you know we're we're so focused on marketing and product marketing and public relations and demand gen and and branding right they and and i think that that's where some of that curiosity comes in again because we have a diverse team they 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 are hungry to even spend more time learning more about each other so that that's i love this idea of curiosity and and ultimately um it translating into into empowerment because it, it's not you uh, you know you you 
you repeated that a couple of times, this idea that it's not just people in the room, but, but actually feel empowered to say something around, ah, guys, this is not right. Or, or right. This, this is from, from a different perspective. This is how it's coming off. Um, because in a lot of instances, yes, people are of diverse backgrounds in the room. But do they feel fully empowered? Do they feel safe to, to say, this is a problem? Or it will be a problem if we mm-hmm. keep going down this path. And if they don't, how do you make sure that they do is really the bigger question. How do you make sure you create an environment yeah. that cultivates that courage to step forward and put their hand up because you know the value they bring in that capacity is tremendous? Right. And, and to me, that goes back to the point I was making earlier about the, the management training, mm-hmm. right? And, and um, the, the mentoring and um, the, the training for managers to make sure that their employees do feel uh, empowered to voice their opinion in a way that, you know, they're not going to get you know, any backlash for it or, or, or anything like that. And, and that's where I feel like, again, um, a lot of that is on the shoulders of the managers of these teams to make sure that, um, uh, that they're giving their employees the room and the space to be who they are and to speak their voice. You mentioned how diverse your organization is and certainly, you know, we're at at our organization we have because we've been focusing on this for a while now. Um we're we're quite we're quite proud of how far we've come, although there's still work to be done, as is the case everywhere. But, you know, I think about half of our managers are are women. Forty uh, percent of our entire team are uh, identifies people of color and, and, and even of the senior management team. Um, you know, I think 10 percent of our team um, are of the LGBTQ Plus community, so there there has been there have been strides in progress. But one area that I think we've we've had difficulty with, in particular, is how do organizations decide what themes to speak out on as an organization, as a brand? That that especially especially when you have diverse organizations, how do you represent diverse opinions and and divergent opinions often because diverse doesn't necessarily mean catering exclusively to a progressive mindset. Right. Right. How do you, how do you balance that? How do you, how do you decide, how does an organization decide what to speak out on and what not to speak out on so that it doesn't come off as, Oh, it's the first day of pride month. Let's put up a, let's put up a pride flag and take it down on the last month. It seems pedestrian at that point. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right, and and it's um, uh, it, it's a hard question to answer. Uh, quite frankly, it, I don't I don't think there is a a, a blueprint to that, right? And I, I I would say like, you know, if you can't speak out on every issue that always happens, right? Because if you did, let's face it, unfortunately you'd be making a statement every week as as a company right because there's so right. much nonsense that goes on in the world right so so what i think organizations should be doing is really 
um, leveraging their, if they have employee resource groups, leveraging those employee resource groups. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because um, your employee resource groups are usually going to be a, um, uh, you're usually going to have groups where you have um, large um, uh, sets of individuals uh, from a specific background or, or makeup in your organization, right? So for example, at, at Live Intent, we have uh, a black group, right? We have an LGBTQ plus group. We have a parents group. Uh, we have a women's group. Um, we have a Latin group. And we also have a neurodiversity group too, which focuses on mental health, right? And all of those groups were created based off of the feedback that we receive from employees in terms of which, which ERGs do you want to see? Not only which ERGs do you want to see, which ones do you want to be involved with and who wants to step up to sort of lead these groups, right? And so those are our, our six ERGs that we have. And usually when it comes to either unfortunate incidents that happen or when we talk about, um, you know, um, uh, holidays or major events that are coming up, whether it be Black History Month or or Pride Month or, you know, International Women's Day, uh, you know, all of those, the, the ERGs usually take the lead in terms of not only programming, but uh, also external messaging, because they'll work with our, our people dev team and they'll work with my marketing team on those. So, so that's where we sort of tend to sort of gravitate to with respect to messaging and um, speaking out against certain things. But with that said, there will be other things that may happen in the world that we know are big events that we know that our employees care about, that we know that we need to give them time. Great example, unfortunate, you know, January 6th, uh, uh, you know, earlier this year, it feels like a year ago, but earlier this year, right? Major, major, major unfortunate event here in the States, right? We worked with, uh, you know, our people dev team understood that that was something that, you know, since the majority of our employees are here based in the U.S., that that was going to be top of mind for them, that that was going to be a major distraction. Again, that's the personal and professional worlds colliding, right? And, you know, we we made sure that we made a statement about that internally. We made sure, I believe, we, we canceled uh, any meetings um, that were scheduled across the company that afternoon and, and those sorts of things. So I think you have to sort of lean on your ERGs, but also, you know, make sure you're, you're, you're tapping into the pulse of your organization to understand what they're paying attention to as well, too. Very long-winded answer, but I hope that answers your question. No, no, but but uh, but I think it it is a, it's a fascinating perspective because if if I'm understanding you right, what you're saying is the way to the way to navigate this authentically is to almost expose the internal communications of the organization and not necessarily the top-down communications of the organization, but the empowered individuals in the organization. Yeah. And make it external, which is n just the next step from the removal of barriers between the personal and and uh, professional lives that we're living as individuals. Right. It, it yeah. kind of get, it it solves that, you know, here's a brand trying to do the right brand thing. 
and it and it right. becomes more of a here are the people behind that brand sharing what they think and feel about a certain event. Right. And I think the distinction there is quite powerful if you can pull it off authentically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very very well said. Very well said. Well, Corel, thank you very much for your time today. I think as as we kind of said earlier, this is a an incredibly important topic because it affects everybody, um, regardless of where you sit um, geographically and in, in your life. Um, and and I think it is a necessary conversation as uh, as things continue to develop. And you know what, what you talked about earlier, I think this idea of intent you don't have to get it right every time you don't have to wait until it's perfect but do it with the right intent and people will understand that they'll get it absolutely and 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 uh, honestly i guarantee you won't get it right every time but don't be afraid to make mistakes as long as you can correct them If Dan's in charge of it, you, I can guarantee he won't get it right. That's right. But that's right. <laughs> Certainly not the first or the second time, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> we'll always get it right once we exhaust every, every other possibility. Other possibility right? Yeah. Find out all the ways to do it wrong. That's it. <laughs> so from myself, Nasser Salul, Dan Tempe, Jenna Watson, thank you, Corel, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for listening in to Inside the Funnel. You've been listening to Inside the Funnel with Jenna Watson, Dan Temby, and Nasser Salul. Until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe, and connect with the AC wherever you see us online.